0: Oh, hi everyone. Welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin, uh, Season 2, Episode 37 with Jeremy Lynch. Um, We'll just get Jeremy up on in here, and then we can get started with um, this week's chat. There we go. We got Jay in here. Oh, let's go... All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're on.
1: Perfect. I am on. Let me just set up my studio
0: here. Welcome okay, all... to the internet. Are you? Welcome to the internet.
1: I want to get your face in here too. Okay? Are we good? Yeah. Okay. So we're on the Astronaut. How are we doing?
0: We are we are on the internet. What's up, the Devin?
1: Astronaut. We have what... wonderful ideas of what it can do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. How's uh, how are things out? West, out east? Sorry, I'm out west.
1: Uh, it's okay. Things are good. I mean, like it's COVID season.
0: It's it's been COVID season for two years.
1: <laughs> I know It's COVID season. It's That's changed funny. the way we think and talk and everything else. It's interesting.
0: It it has. It's it's really dominated a lot of like the discussions and mind share with, with a lot of people out there.
1: Yeah, and right now it's starting to become a political issue and it's starting to divide people as well right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate. Um before we dive into that stuff though, uh do you want to take a minute just to uh give like a quick intro? Um about, uh, you know, who, who you are and uh, what you get up to? Um,
1: basically, uh, no, you introduce me. <laughs> like my whole art scene and everything that I do, I, I'm not into marketing myself, advertising myself, or any of that kind of stuff. Like I'm really trying to move away from that and just make it up. Like I, I really don't like the <laughs> marketing and self-promotion I find that it's just prevalent in everything in, in society today.
0: Well, this isn't more about marketing. This is more just like, you know, who's Jeremy? But I can do an introduction for you. No, no, no
1: I, so, I hear you and everything um, else. But, like, that's how we always kind of approach everything.
0: That's fair. You know, well, we do a credential do fetish. We have,
1: we have a credential fetish. Oh.
0: Well, I don't care about your credentials. I just want to know, well, want people to share who you are. So Jeremy is one of the more interesting, generous people I've, I've come across in, in my adventures. And um, a good friend of mine, Karen, and I were walking through Kensington Market a couple of years ago. And we saw this gentleman set up with a old-timey photo machine. Um, and uh, he was taking portraits of people and we thought it was kind of curious because we were both photographers. So we uh, started chatting with him and he offered to take our portraits and uh, he showed uh, Karen how his five by seven from forever ago, There, there's camera. That's the, the camera there. Um, he showed her how it worked and uh, how to take photos with it. And um, we stayed in touch and he introduced me to... Um, the bureaucracy of Gallery 44, but um, also the um, wonders that existed in the uh, production space downstairs in the darkroom and stuff. So Jeremy introduced me to uh, the darkroom and how to do darkroom prints, which um, is something that I will forever cherish and uh, appreciate. And uh, he also introduced me to wheat pasting, which was a lot of fun too. So I thought it'd be interesting to have you on here to talk about um, your adventures or whatever you want to talk about. COVID, aliens, the government. I'm down for whatever.
1: (laughs) Um, I want to talk about photography, where it's going, how photographers can get their stuff out there. I'm really interested that there's different types of photographers and how they are being ignored. Like street photography right now is not in, but so many people are into it. Okay, it's kind of interesting how art and photography is getting very much kind of classism, where you're starting to see where people are not being allowed to show, exhibit. That's what I find very interesting right now and I really would love to see more photographers get out there to have space to actually show their stuff because there's some really interesting um, work being done right now that I would rather see on the street than just say some advertisement or some tag or something like that. A lot of photographers have a lot to say. Take you for instance, okay? Um, Some of, you know, what, what I really enjoy about your work is that when you're doing street photography, you look for that kind of like poor soul lost that's given a scribble that has some meaning that we can all kind of relate to. We need more of that. We need more kind of uh, ideas and views from more different people instead of just like being dictated to. And that's what's happening in art, especially public art, we're being dictated to. So it's like administration management approved by human resources.
0: That sounds depressing.
1: It's not because.
0: It's no, no, I mean. Because, I mean because the crazy. power
1: is in the photographers to actually go out there and do it. It's not that hard.
0: So what kind of, what would you suggest to photographers that wanted to just like, you know, shirk the conventional and, um, find a way to make their own mark.
1: I would go out there and wheat paste. Definitely wheat paste, get it out there in certain areas
0: for, for people that may not be familiar with, with that. Like, you know, could, could you, uh, you know, talk a little bit about wheat paste and in your experience with it?
1: Okay. So basically wheat paste can be anything. It could be a poem, it could be um, an illustration, it could be a little doodle, it could be photography, whatever you want to get into. So the whole idea about it is that you can print it out on a laser copier and you can go small or you can really tile it up and go really, really big. So I can do a print that's 150 centimeters by 100 centimeters. That costs me $4 to make, okay? This print behind me right there, that cost me $1.50. So, and all you and then- need to put it up, okay, is flour and water. You just boil them together. If you can't figure out how to make wheat paste paste, then you shouldn't really be doing wheat paste. It's <laughs> so easy to do.
0: That's fair.
1: And there you go. And you just go out and do it. And the thing about wheat paste is that there's not that many people that do it, okay? There's a small circle of people. But you are being... Welcome by the community. You have no hassles with the police. Sure. You'll get tagged. Sure. You'll get ripped down, but who cares? You just move on. You don't move into wars or anything like that with like towers. You just move on. You're never going to get arrested. So what's the problem? There's no fear in it. I'm serious. Like if you're a jerk, yeah, you're going to get into problems. Okay. But if you're smart about it, and if you really are kind of like, if you want to think in a kind of like, how many people can see my work? Hey, I've done Wheat paste in Trinity Park in Toronto. And I don't think it's too much to say, yeah, easily 30,000 people have seen that. But they don't know my name, but who cares? I don't advertise my name. But anybody can do that. Why do
0: you nodding at me thinking I'm an idiot? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I, I don't think you're an idiot. It's just, it's, your your wee paces do get a lot of visibility and it, it's interesting. So when I, I used to live in Toronto, um, I kind of was like complaining how I didn't, like to a friend, we were on a photo walk and um, I was kind of complaining to her how I just was still kind of struggling with feeling connected to the city. And um, she was just like, shut the fuck up it's <laughs> like what, what do you mean She's like well, a couple blocks away i saw a bunch of your stickers on like old payphones and shit like that and she's like right here this is part of your face you're you're like right there so she's like how do you feel like you're not connected to the city when it's like you're part of the city and yeah. your your wheat pastes kind of were were a contributing factor to that and i i kind of thought that was funny i was like yeah you're right like you know um, with the people that I've met and the experiences that I was lucky to have in Toronto, I kind of became a bit of a part of that city, and your your art was um a big conduit for that
1: um it make me blush <laughs> <laughs> um but can I go on with that kind of thought is that... absolutely yeah um so basically, what I do is i take- like when I'm wheat pasting a lot of people will approach me and say, hey, I like your work, or hey, I really appreciate what you're doing, and blah, 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 right? And I'll turn around to them and say, hey, I take pictures of strangers. All these pictures are strangers. That's how I met you. Do you mind if I take your picture? And I'd say, honestly, out of ten times, seven times people will say yes. And if they say no, I say, hey, that's totally cool. Yeah, I understand, right? But perfect strangers say to me, yeah, you can take my picture of my face and use it in street art. No release forms, nothing like that. Nothing about, oh, where's it going to be or anything like this. They're just like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. And what I'm trying to say to you is that people, strangers are more, they want to see art. They want to see people. They want to see artists. They want to see photography. Don't let the administrators, don't let the curators, don't let all that bullshit management get in the way from showing it. Because I'm telling you it's like Instagram, yeah it's not a bad platform. It is not a bad platform. But it's not hyper-local. You, I mean it's not, it's going to lock you in a fishbowl. It is. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You are going to be a fishbowl. This way you're talking about the real public. People that Like, okay, put it this way, I've it in Hamilton and I've had two like gentlemen, like gentlemen, gentlemen, older than me, like, you know, these guys were like, they were dressed up, you could tell that they own not us and that kind of shit. And they said to me, yeah, I've seen your work in Toronto. I went, oh yeah, this is why you're the artist. And he had a picture of my work on his phone, okay, and he showed it to me. And I was like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can reach that guy and I've reached skateboard kids. I can, it's like in the streets, you are gonna hit so many different people than you would in a gallery, than you would in Instagram. And it's so much like conducive to like the environment that the wall that you're choosing. It has so much to do with it, of what you want to paste up, what you want to do, right? At times you can totally ignore that wall or sometimes you can go with that wall and like we've all seen some little pieces of work where you go yeah is it the wall or is it the art? <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like yeah. I am so bored of a white gallery an antiseptic COVID perfect gallery I'm just so bored of it here's a picture that's so perfect so linear and all this kind of stuff and another thing, too, that galleries do is they it's all about the artists. Isn't the artist great and all that shit? No, isn't the public great? Aren't, aren't people great? Can't we do some great shit together? Because when I made this kind of like uh, paste plaques in Toronto, the whole idea of it, of it is like just to inspire people. It wasn't my shit. I, I just found people on the internet. I just asked them. My question to them was... Um, hey, um, I'm making this paste class. Are you in? And they said, yes. It wasn't any of this like, oh, I think you're fantastic and I think you're brilliant and everything else and do you mind? It's like, yeah, do you want in? And, well, what should I send? I said, well, send whatever you want to send. And it was really interesting what, like there was a whole theme. I had 25 artists and there was a theme and I didn't even tell them a theme, but they all made a theme. And the theme is, is that People are getting fucking real. It's getting really real with their emotions and what they're showing. People are getting Sorry, real. I'm laughing.
0: I, I'm, I'm laughing because of the piece that, that I sent you for.
1: <laughs> it was real. It was raw. A lot of people were sending raw shit, man. It was raw. Everybody's raw. And I, I had, um like, some some women who were psychiatrists. I, uh, there was this other woman that showed up and paste. Like she, she was like an older woman who was like a professor at U of T. Um, she teaches English, 18th century English. And it was like, cool, that she's just gonna retire. And she's out there pasting with me. That's effing cool. Do you know what I mean? Different generations, different people. Like there was like some um, sketch rap where I don't know how old she is but she's young and she's putting stickers all up and it's it's just we gotta stop this whole idea about curating and telling people what to do and just let them do it and work together and come together like sometimes it ends up like a dog breakfast sometimes it could be beautiful and there's not that there's hardly any opportunities where we can share and sharing when it comes to like just making art and everything else, it's kind of cool. And it doesn't mean that you have to collaborate with this person or this person. It means sharing a wall. That is cool. Instead of like you go into this one place and it's a gallery and go, oh, isn't this artist brilliant and everything that they say is brilliant. There's no juxtaposition with other people, other classes. And it's like, when you go into galleries, it's just snobby as shit. It's elitist.
0: Yeah, I've I've always been a little like nervous and anxious when when I go into galleries. And you you talked a, a bit about pace plots, and it was something that I wanted to sort of ask you uh, about before before you jumped into it. But um, for for people that aren't in in Toronto or contributed to uh, to it, do you want to talk a little bit about what pace plots was? Um, pace plots was uh,
1: something that. Uh... It was an idea that I started around a month ago. And it was basically, uh, basically I've pasted a few times in Toronto. Man. Toronto's is, can be pretty misogynist, it can be really racist sometimes. Um, I've seen a lot of like young students, like. OAC students and Ryerson students just trying out pasting for the first time or street art, trying something, and they'll get destroyed right away. There's some anger on the streets. And I kind of was thinking I'd love to try to make a place where it kind of inspires more people to do weed paste and try to have a place where people feel kind of like that they can say their no shit without get ripped down or tagged or, you know, like, Think about what you sent in, Merlin. Do you think that would look good? Do you think that would last in graffiti alley? No. No. Do you think it would be like mocked? Do you think they would try to hurt you in some way?
0: I don't know if some people would really understand it. <laughs> like, it's kind of uh, it's a little dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and dark. And art doesn't really
0: work in the graffiti landscape. It doesn't work in galleries either. Because like that, I picked that photo because... True, true, true. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I, I actually submitted that. And that photo was in a gallery show a few years ago. And um, it was not well received. I I added the text to it for, for the paste plots. But just like that photo on its own. Um, yeah, it... it uh, it didn't hit very well, and that was the that was the last art like proper art show that I had ever done um, was with that photo.
1: And why do you think it didn't do well?
0: I don't well it, it was a um it was a show for mental health, which is why I picked that that specific photo. Um, and and for people that aren't unfamiliar, the, so the photo that I submitted to Jay for the pace plots was a a Polaroid that I took of um, the welcome sign for Hope British Columbia, which is uh, just in these trees and uh, it it looks really beautiful, but their their sign says experience hope, which, um, you know, someone who struggles with depression and um, all that that kind of darkness? I always kind of find it a little bit ironic because um, you know here's this sign telling me to experience hope when most of the time I'm sort of in these like pits of darkness. Um, so I thought it was kind of an amusing photo from that perspective. Um, and for for the pace plots, I wrote, I put the photo in my iPad. <laughs> it's pace plots pace plots. Pace plots. Okay. Pace plots. Uh, for, for the pace plots, um, I had written on the bottom of the Polaroid, like on on the like you know part on on the bottom there. Whereas like, as someone who struggles with mental illness, I find this very <laughs> ironic, because um, I do, and uh, I didn't realize how on brand um, that submission was going to be for the um. Team that you'd put together for it so I'm glad it, it worked It was so out.
1: on brand it was so so raw. I mean I mean there was this other um German artist that uh who was like if the um, uh there's something like we are the oh yeah we are the scabs of the earth <laughs> like something like you so and like we've we've been fed this kind of mental corporate health bullshit so much you know by bell campaign and everything else
0: yeah for for people that are tuning in from america bell is is one of our um, uh, telephone providers kind of like t-mobile and uh, you know verizon and stuff like that and um, every year i can't remember what day it is because i just don't really give a shit about it honestly um they have this like special mental health day called bell talks and uh for every text that sends out they donate like a penny or something and um you know it's just it's one of those like virtue signaling things that that corporations do to make it look like they give a shit about us yeah exactly and with
1: your picture and it was pretty raw and everything else it's it's I wanna see the effect of it. I wanna see what happens to this to your picture say a week or a month from that. Does it get ripped down like in anger? Does it get like a little bit of graffiti where they're mocking it? Or does it get left in peace? I I love yeah, I'm- I love how, how the public reacts to art as well.
0: I'm, I'm really curious to see, like, you know, your, your updates from, from the pace plots to see how it's surviving and what happens to some pieces. Um, I didn't notice this as much when I was in Toronto, but I've noticed it more here in Vancouver. And, and maybe it's because we have a bit of a larger homeless population and, and um, you know, more of a dire situation with that. But, you know, like you mentioned a lot of my photos I like to find like words and, and things that are out there. And what I've been noticing in Vancouver is there's full on conversations that are happening on the sides of these buildings where people who don't have mobile phones or things like that are leaving messages for each other in, in all of these places. Um, and that's been kind of an interesting thing to see um, these messages where it's just like, Hey, just gone to pick up drugs over here. Or like, you know, people, uh, you know, pleading their love being like, you know, I miss you so much. And like, you know, meet me at this corner, at this date kind of thing. If you still give a shit about me. And um, it's, it's kind of fascinating to just yeah, see. But so, so, hang on, hang on. It's, it's not all
1: just love, but there are some that are just like my heart's being taken away with that message. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: not there, just. There start, is, like, some, there is some cries of help. There's cries of help. There's like you know anger things where it's like you know fuck you, Juan, I'm gonna find you yeah. and stab you, kind of shit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting though to see these like, little scribbles everywhere, and it makes me wonder like, how long has it been there? Did the person that it was supposed to be written for, did they see it? Did they interact with it? Like, you know, what what happened with it? Some of it I find interesting and I'll, I'll take photos of it and some of it just, it feels too personal that I don't want to um, take a photo of it and, and share so, it. But it's why not... does
1: that not work in a gallery setting? It's like we were talking about, we were kind of talking about that, but you were saying that it just doesn't work in a gallery setting and I see some curators trying that shit and it just doesn't work you just can't take street art and put it in the gallery because i've seen there's some street artists who are trying to do it in the gallery and i'm sorry it just doesn't work
0: well i I think part of it is because like a lot of that would it it makes people uncomfortable because you think about the audience that's going into to galleries and it's it's typically people who have some level of privilege, and in the level of privilege sways from you know just a little bit to a lot of it. Um, but I, I feel like that kind of raw stuff makes people uncomfortable. So it's too and, th- the truth is too true, too much truth. Or maybe it's too true, or maybe it it exposes them to something that they don't want to see because it makes them uncomfortable because they don't believe that, you know, the world is is fucked up as it is right now. Um, you know, it, it's why the city of Toronto spent $2 million to evict 60 is homeless Isn't that people.
1: what art is for? Isn't that what art is for?
0: Well, maybe that's what art was for. But, you know, I don't know if that's what art is now. Um, can we talk like, more
1: about this? Do you think it's getting more into, like, the administration, the management? What is it? Is it like public art? I
0: don't, I don't know how to really describe it in consummate terms, but, um, it just seems like a very inclusive circle jerk. And if you don't know how to masturbate the way they do, you can't be part of it.
1: But, okay, here's a question for you. All right. I agree with that. Okay, you're totally right. Um, especially in Canada. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's really kind of warped here. I mean, yeah, they're, 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 they've got nothing to show, but they're so proud of themselves that that can kind of produces
0: <laughs> very much. Well, there's a lot of, like, showing of stuff from out of the country, too, which I, I think is a travesty in some ways because there's so much great art and artists that are from Canada that are are native to this land um, that miss on opportunities because they're not as well known or their name isn't going to look That that kind
1: of gets into another thing though too is like this whole kind of art like what the fuck is art? I mean like to me you know what I think we should fund artists directly. Okay, get rid of this grant system, get rid of all these curators, get rid of Canada Art Council, get rid of Ontario Art Council, and just fund artists. Let them decide what to do, because I'll tell you, some artists, they'll make murals. Some artists will say, hey, we need benches. Let's build benches. Some artists will turn around and say, you know what? Let's turn that parking lot into a garden. Some artists will turn around and say, you know what? Let's build homes with the homes.
0: So okay. there, there's a we comment mean... here. Sorry? Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, we just, There, there on... was a comment.
0: Oh, what? go ahead. We you, start... you go first.
1: Oh, dude, you're really tired. <laughs> <laughs> go. Nine. Kind
0: shots. shots. You first. I'm going to wait. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, basically, I,
1: basically, <laughs> basically, I mean, like, if we have administrators and managers and approved by human resources coming up with any kind of public art or whatever, we're gonna grow not at all. We need the artists to turn around and say, you know what, is really shit, guess what? I'm not gonna act like a capitalist. Guess what, we're gonna do things differently. If we don't get the artists to do it, Christ, what, the managers and administrators gonna do it? Who work for the uh, capitalist class? Not a chance
0: not a chance Well and the the, the the minute though that the artists start pushing back on the galleries and stuff though that's going to make it crumble is because like the administration needs to pimp the artists out so that they can justify their existence but not if the only that are... they, need, they
1: need the artists to write up, write up saying, oh we have a thousand artists trying to go for this one special grant be fucking shit fuck off it's it's a it's a lot, it's a lottery. Don't bother, kids. I'll tell you. If you want to play the system, well, guess what? You're gonna to have to really play the system and be an administrator, manager, and just play the system. Your art book is a shit. You're just gonna to have to play the system. If you want to be an artist, and you know, you, the chances of making a living now, pretty shit. Not chance. It's getting worse. I mean, yeah, like, it, I'm talking. i even a... 15 years, like, like 10 years ago, even 10 years, a decade, It's
0: totally changed. Well, there's a comment here from Canadian Cast Photos, and they're saying people don't even want us to document the people who suffer homelessness, but I've had some ask me to take their photos, and I find that kind of a. It's that's an interesting scenario because documenting the the way that our society is is very important and and you look back in in history and that used to actually be like a very important job that governments would pay people to do to just travel around and document the state of the country for posterity for learning experiences so that they could you know look back on this historical archive and and um, you know, see how far they've come or how far they haven't, what needs to be worked on. And I feel like that's something that's fallen by the wayside where it's not as valued. Um, so I, I think it's important to document that kind of thing, but there's a very, very sort of tight margin where is that documenting or is that exploitation? Of of people and like homeless porn is like it's a real thing. Like there's like a whole subset of street photographers out there who like specialize in in homeless porn, which is just exclusively like it's it's like exceptionally um, exploitative of of those people. Where you know, it's that I I don't know if I, but there are some photographers who take their time, who
1: who talk. To,
0: to the people that are living yeah. in tents and homeless. Well, and that's relationship. That, yeah. Those, those are, that, that's the kind of material that needs to be like created and needs to be preserved, is, is the people that have actually taken the time to respect the humanity, that these are still people. These are still people that need this respect. Um, but, you know, in, in some cases, want to be seen. And so I, I feel there's a huge difference between someone who just like, you know, sees a, a scene, snaps it and throws it on the Instagram for the likes, and someone who's taken the time to to go to these camps to um, learn who these people are, to know what their stories are, to uh, like lend an ear, lend help where, where they can. Like there's a photographer that I know in the States who like in, in one of, the, the worst parts of Los Angeles. Like he spent two years just getting to know people there, you know, talking to them, listening to them, bringing them the socks, underwear, food, stuff like that before he even showed up one time with a camera because he wanted to know these people. He didn't want to come across as, as threatening or exploitative to them. He wanted to understand their stories and, and to preserve the, these people. And I, I think that's like, an approach that maybe more people should explore and, and, and should keep in mind when they want to do this, like, documentation of of society and history and, and things like that, instead of, like, the exploitative stuff, which is, like, super easy, where it's, like, you just see someone passed out on the street with a needle in their arm and you take a photo of it because, you know, that's going to be, like, hot fire on the grams. And, you know, that's, I don't think that's terribly respective. And... No, it's not
1: respected at all, but at the same time though, okay, let's have a look at it this way. is The artist that puts in the two years, he's put a lot of effort into it. He's trying to do something within that community and he will yes. do something with that community. The person that takes a shot of say some um, guy who's overdosed or some woman who's overdosed on the street that's just like that's. We'll get so will get a lot more likes than the other person, but it'll be forgotten just as fast. Yeah, it'll, it's it'll, amazing it's at how fast looked. imagery is being forgotten today. It's amazing. Yeah. You'd be surprised.
0: So here's a question that Waster of Silver threw in here, saying, "Does the process behind the art change the art?" Of course. Yeah, I course. would agree. yeah because it's like what you're saying like oh sir, go ahead
1: well it's because like it's it's the artists themselves how they feel about the work themselves and themselves okay but at the beginning i didn't tell you anything about myself okay because i don't really want to tell you i don't want to tell you that i do this kind of photography and that and that and that but i I would love (laughs) you to discover my work and everything else and see it but me who cares but me as an artist, when I make my work, I, I kind of I do it not for money or anything like that. I do it because I have to. It's a it's something I want to express. It's a human condition. Now, the other part of what, what was he saying at the end there? The question?
0: Um, does the process behind the art oh, change the art?
1: How people look at that, I hate to say it, but no, it doesn't because we have seen so many images that sometimes people
0: don't understand that some things take an effort and some things don't. So we don't really judge. I kind of disagree with that to, to an extent, because I feel that like you can sometimes, you can sometimes feel the intent behind the work sometimes. And like, if, there's a, a good intent behind that. Like I found that. Okay, that well, of...
1: but where are we? Are we on the internet? Are we are we on the street, or are we in a gallery? Where are we? Where are we situated? Because I don't um, know. If I've had that experience in a long, long time. Like I, I've been to some galleries around the world. I, I've done a lot of kind of gallery shit. Okay, I have. Like I've seen some yeah. of those pretty cool ones, and. I've been impressed, I've been like inspired. I haven't been inspired yeah. in a long time. I've been inspired on the street. I've been inspired by somebody's scribble, I have. On the internet, I look at it, yeah, but I'm not, told, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not jumping into it, right? My neurons are going, they're not all flashing. It's that screen yeah. that stops me. So, sorry, go on.
0: Well, it's interesting, like, where you find inspiration with things. So I didn't realize until just before we talked today what actually inspired me to do this series of chats with people. Um, And it it only came up because I was talking to someone who I had approached to do an episode later this year. And um, he wanted to have a phone chat before agreeing to it just to, you know, talk about uh, ground rules and, and what it's about and stuff like that and how it came up. And it, it kind of came out like how this sort of started the, the chat and everything. And it's really about, like for me, this this whole chat and like you know, the inspiration behind it is to know more about the people, know more about who's behind the camera, who's, who's behind that that art um because i find that curious like the you know who the person is because we don't really talk about that you listen to like other podcasts and things out there and they're just like you know what camera did you use what's your favorite focal yeah. length
2: yeah. you
0: know what's your favorite film stock are you a uh, canon guy are you a nikon guy can you afford a leica like that kind of stuff it's very cool a little bit um and gear talk can be fun sometimes but um the inspiration for this i realized just talking to this person you know a a year into this whole process came from a road trip on route 66 through oklahoma when i noticed every time we'd stop to like get food or we stopped to like you know a, a roadside attraction or something and started talking to people a lot of the people we ran into were super friendly and would share Very like willingly and with very little provocation, um, stories about their lives, and I kind of found that really interesting to learn more about, like you know, the waitress at the diner that I stopped at in uh, Miami, Nevada, Um, or uh, sorry, Miami, um, Missouri. I was thinking of Nevada because there's another place we stopped called Nevada, Missouri. but it was just really interesting learning more about these people because now that person is, is more than just like the lady that served me at White's grill in Miami. Um, We've become friends now and learn more about her story or like, you know, random people, we'd stop at these, these roadside attractions. And it just, it really stuck with me that like, there's so many interesting experiences that, everyone has had that they just kind of carry with them that unless people listen we'll just die with those people as as well and it made me curious to like learn more about people's experiences and, and hear them and have them share them before they just sort of evaporated along with them and that was the inspiration for the photo chat was a road trip in Oklahoma three years ago. You can say the
1: same thing about what I did with paste files. I mean, the whole idea is just to let people have a voice, let people have a visual voice. There's, there's, there's yeah. no space for people to have a visual voice anymore. I mean, the idea of an exhibition, what is an idea of an exhibition today? What is it? I'm asking, I'm asking it.
0: Well, like the the ones that I've come across for the most part is like, you know, you have to look for these exhibitions that are seeking submissions and you, you know, apply for said submission or said ex- exhibition, you send your submission in and you wait and see if the curators have decided that whatever you sent in, um, you know, fits with the theme or is good enough to be shown in their their place and I kind of feel that a lot of people's voices are getting lost in that because um, these curators also have their own agendas in a lot of cases where it's like you know they're picking things and picking artists and stuff that will also make their personal career look better because you know if you have the choice to say curated exhibition for insert famous artist here versus curated exhibition for a bunch of random people you've never heard about you know, if someone who's wanting to make a career out of this um, was was in that sort of seat to make that decision, they would probably pick the one that would help advance them further instead of giving a voice to a bunch of people that no one's ever heard of.
1: Okay, but you haven't answered my question. What is
0: an exhibition? An exhibition? I, celebration of a bunch of different works of people or a singular work of like one person, but like, you know, something that one person or a bunch of people are proud to share with others.
1: Doesn't that seem kind of like, look at me, aren't I special?
0: No, I don't think it's look at me, aren't I special?
1: Okay, hang on, hang on. Let me rephrase it. When was the last time you were inspired or you learned anything? Or was anything where you went, oh, shit, that made me think differently?
0: when I bought this piece of art at a gallery in Vancouver.
1: (laughs) I'm talking. Okay.
0: So there's a little gallery here in Vancouver that I'm going to plug here called Slice Vancouver. And uh, this piece is called It's Okay. And uh, I don't even have room in my tiny little house to hang up more art. But this kind of resonated with me and so i bought it so that one day when i have room again i can hang up this little piece of art and uh it's a very simple thing it's just got a little mountain and it says it's okay to be okay and then there's like a power line thing here and uh it says sometimes things don't have to change this was the last thing that kind of inspired me. So I bought it. <laughs> because I wanted to support the artist because like I felt sort of a connection to it. And um, I like that.
1: How has that got anything to do with an exhibition, the concept, the theme of the exhibition? Because was it, was in a,
0: it was It was in an exhibition. So this person, um, Rivers Miller, had put together enough work to be able to put it in one of those white walled asylums that you don't very like much um, so that they could share this work that they were pretty proud of and felt like it was worthy enough to show. Okay, okay, I'll give you an example.
1: All right, what I'm trying to say to you is like exhibitions or whatever, I haven't seen an exhibition that really is like, there's this one exhibition that I thought was pretty good. Okay, that was in Berlin, it was called, (laughs) Typography of terror, okay? The typography of terror. And showed how normal German people can become Nazis, basically. And how the administration okay. went about going about doing that, okay? Small little steps. And what they were saying that it was systematic and that it was set up by administrators and managers. I love this. Professional managerial class, if you're listening right now, You've got a lot to answer for. But anyways, um yeah. The and this whole kind of thing, it made and it was documented, what you were saying about before the states. They always used to document everything. Well, it was like a lot of Nazi documentation turned against itself, looked at another side, another mirror. It was amazing, right? So that changed my idea of how human nature can be. I kind of went yeah okay, we can all be Nazis. This is how it works. This is how how was set up. This is how it starts, and it starts by authoritarianism. And authoritarianism right now is kind of cool right now, man. Even on the left.
0: Well, so just to, a a minor segue there. I don't think it even needs authoritarianism to start. Like, look at the PPC party here in Canada. So like, in this American people. Canada recently had a federal election where um, our idiot government decided it'd be a good idea to do an election a couple of years before it was supposed to happen, because they thought they would get more than they had. They didn't. It was a big waste of money. But the one thing that was a little unsettling was this party, the People's Party of Canada, PPC, which is, you know, basically a, a bunch of fucking Nazis. Um got almost a million votes we don't really have authoritarianism here but there is almost like you know a million people that believed in a party that has like very close to nazism beliefs that got votes like that's super fucked up
1: yeah but why is that so why is that surprising
0: Cause aren't we supposed to be better by now? <laughs> like, aren't uh, we? Supposed like, to be...
1: How do you mean? How are we supposed to be better? I mean, have no, no, not that?
0: how, but like, aren't we? Like, you know, isn't isn't our society supposed to have been like we've evolved? Yeah, been... like, like, okay, we're
1: talking about we're talking about maybe virtue hoarding or about say, hey, this is how society should be and everything else. But capitalism isn't acting like it. Cap- capitalism yeah. is like, you know, it's it's gone crazy, right? It really has.
0: All right, it has. But how, how do you think how do you think we could use our tools like you know like photography and wheat pasting and in our creative tools to promote By talking
1: real but being really real instead of doing the bullshit of the promotionals and everything else, instead of having human resources doing some stuff. Right now in Canada there's a big push for Black Lives Matter, Indigenous people, all right? You know what? Why should some Canada Art Council um, administrator say, yeah, we're gonna give money to this Black person and we're gonna give money to this Indigenous person, but this Indigenous person, ooh, that's a bit much. You can't say that, tone that down. You Black person, that's a bit much, tone that down, come on. Corporate Canadian colonial capitalism—that's what it's all about,
0: and it's artwashing. Well, It—it's because Canada is still hella racist.
1: But that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. The system supporting it—it's—it's it, basically—it's it's pretending that it's doing something, but it's performative. And if you do performative kind of like showcasing of art and artists, and you don't do the real issues, then you're never going to really. Reach the real issue, are you? You're just glossing over it. I mean, like, have you ever been into any kind of gallery? Like, I mean, a real, like, like Ontario gallery or Canadian gallery, a national gallery that really dealt with the issues, seriously? Not really, no. You really showed anything raw. I think the best imagery I've ever seen is some of the street art with the red hand paint on the churches in Alberta, D.C. Brilliant. I mean, that was brilliant. A hundred great painted hands. You could never do that in an exhibition. You could never pull that off in a gallery. I mean, that was, I would say that was the best piece in Canada made this year, by far, by now. You know what image I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe this is something where people need to adopt a tool like WePaste or something like that to put their voice and their messages out there in, in some place that isn't as controlled like maybe that's the the answer for creatives out there is to find it a different way where you're not being muzzled. Um, uh,
1: the, way, the way I see WePaste is that uh, I think it fits everyone like if you're an activist if you have something to say it's one of the best mediums. If you're an artist who's just trying to start out and everything else, don't have to put your name on it. Just be anonymous. Go for it. You'll see how people react. You'll see if other people, you know, do other art around it. Or you get torn down. But don't worry about it. You just go and go and go. The thing about wheat paste is uh, how we look at other people that we paste. We love them. We don't have toy culture, wheat paste culture. There's no such thing as toys. Everybody is local. Do you understand what I'm saying?
0: What, what do you mean, how, everything is toys? What do you mean by that? Okay, in
1: graffiti culture, if you're doing a tag and you're just starting out and you're not, you don't have the right technique, they'll call you a toy. They'll, they'll get rid of you or whatever.
0: Oh, okay. In wheat
1: paste culture, if you show up with the black and white just first started or whatever, well done, keep going, get better. We like toys, yeah. we like anybody who joins in. So in other words, I've met other we pace artists. I like doing other stuff and everything else. My style is completely different from theirs, completely. But we totally are into each other's work. We support each other. Like for doing this project, I've met so many different artists. Like there was this one Brazilian guy Lives in the, in the rain, like in Amazon, and he's just, he's like a naive artist because he's really bad at drawings of birds and everything else, right? But he keeps on wheat pasting every single day and puts it out there and puts it out there, and he's just so anti-corporate. And I just love the effort of it. And I love the idea of being naive. whats I'd rather be naive than being realistic and to say that, oh, well, no gallery could to take it, so I'm just gonna give up. Well, I'm gonna keep on writing up grants and keep on saying no. If you wait for a gallery or for a art councils to give you money, you're gonna do nothing except for sit by your computer. And if you're a, a photographer, um, you might get to make a book if you're lucky. Trying to push it is really damn difficult. But well, I'm telling you, all you're gonna do is Instagram, your shit. I'm not saying it's bad. I've seen some really good stuff. I'm not putting anyone down for that. But I'm yeah. just saying there's other spaces, there's other other places that you can go to. You no,
0: know, there absolutely are. Like there's there's options out there. Um, like I I still like and appreciate Instagram very much because it's it's connected me with a lot of interesting people. True. true. Um, But you
1: have to make a real effort out
0: of it, though. That's the thing. Well, you only have to make a little effort if if your intent is to use it for promoting yourself and, and doing that kind of thing. Like, I... There, there was like a period a couple of years ago where it's like, I wanted to get more followers. It's like, I wanted to get to mm-hmm. 10K because when you get to 10K, you get all the cool features and shit. And I was like, how do I get more traction? How do I get more engagement? How do I get more? And it's like, oh man, I lost 20 followers. I gained 30 and it was stressing me the fuck out. Were you and... counting? Were you counting? The yeah, because like I, I changed my account to, uh, I wasn't counting, but like you can change it. To... You know, because
1: Instagram screws around with it man, sometimes when they, when they know yeah. Doing something in a pattern, they will screw with it,
0: you know. And, and it, it just it was getting really unhealthy. And then I realized it's like, who fucking cares if I hit 10k and I can like put a link in my stories or whatever? Like you know, I've been able to connect with a lot of really great people and and see a lot of really great. Yeah, um, but that's got or, a lot
1: to do with your personality too, though. Like Merlin, you do make an effort. Okay, you are very good at that. Your personality, that's... meeting people, you can't just blame that on Instagram. It's you. It's no, your no, I, I, don't,
0: I, don't blame, I don't blame that on Instagram. But what I'm saying is, like, I don't I don't care about my Instagram engagement anymore. Right. I okay. just use Instagram only as a tool now. So yeah, 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 yeah. When, people, when people complain about, oh, Instagram blocks this or the algorithm does that, I'm like, I don't really give a shit because, like, I do my posts of the things that I like. And if people like it, that's cool. But really all I keep Instagram around for now is to talk to interesting people that I've met because that's how we communicate. And to do lives every week because um, I'm lazy and this has been the best way I've found to do these kind of chat things because- But
1: but that's how you work though. You're really good at that, okay? You're totally into technology. I mean like people are gonna laugh at me right now, but um, (laughs) this is my first video chat since COVID, seriously. I hate the video. I hate the video. Well, I mean, I and, don't even walk around with my phone. Like whenever I go shopping or outside or whatever, I don't have a phone with me. I don't want to be trapped.
0: That's fair. Yeah, you know, it's it, it. It all depends on on what you want to uh, to do with things, but like, um, can we do an intermission?
1: I gotta go to the toilet.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like, well, while well, he's doing that, like, you know, um, for people out there that, that may be struggling with, with Instagram um, affecting how you feel and, and um, you know, stressing you out and giving you a lot of anxiety, um, if, if you're starting to feel that way about it, it might not be a bad idea to sort of, like, just hit the pause button and, and think about, like, what is it that you want out of this tool? Like what, what would be valuable for you to get from it? And when, when I did that, when I hit pause and sort of looked at like, you know, what is valuable to me? What do, what do I want out of it? um, The most important thing to me was being able to stay connected to the interesting people that I've met and the people that are important to me who, this is the portal that we communicate through for the most part, and, and share through. And I don't I, I don't care about, like, expanding reach and, and doing all that other stuff because that was the stuff that was, was feeling stressful. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not doing good because I'm not getting all these likes or, you know, I'm not getting shares or anything like that. So it must mean my stuff's crap. But it's not. Like, you know, even if you were able to just reach out to one person and have like one of your photos or, or things be meaningful to just even just one person. Um, that's still oh. important and that makes it worthwhile. <clears throat> you created that image and you shared that image or you, you created that piece of art and you put it out there or you made a, a vulnerable post about how you're feeling and um, someone saw it and it resonated with them. You know, Just being able to connect even to it with one person makes it all worthwhile, and if you can kind of look at it more in that way, then it becomes a little less stressful, and it becomes a little less crazy, and um, yeah, it just really depends, like, you know, if you're having stressful feelings with it, modify the relationship you have with it, and uh, because you, that's the choice that you have with it, you have the choice to choose who you follow, and who you interact with, and what you follow and if those things are no longer serving you and they're not making you feel good, don't follow them. You you can hit the unfollow button. You can block it. You can, you have the control, which is kind of, I find it interesting when people blame how they're feeling on the algorithm or things like that. And it's like, no, the algorithm doesn't pick followers for you. You follow those things. Okay.
1: Okay. But like, if you take that in another realm, if you take that out in the street, you just can't really unfollow people sometimes.
0: You have to get along. Well, with no, out on the street, you can unfollow, but out oh, on no, the street... Oh, no, no. i is... I've, just, I've just
1: taken it in a different realm. I'm having fun with you. I'm not saying...
0: No, that's off. fine, though. But like, I, I think on the street, it's a completely different beast because you have the ultimate freedom if you're going to put stuff out on the street because you're, you're not having to worry about hashtags or things like that. You're just going to look for a wall that has enough space to do what you want. And go nuts for it. And, um, you know, your your feedback would be if you come back a couple days later. Can I stop you there? At... Dude,
1: this yeah. is a concept, a concept that people have about weed paste. It's totally wrong. It's like when I weed paste, I do it during the day. And I yeah. take my time. I clean it. I really take my time. And just, do... it's not one of these blitz kind of things. It's, it's you yeah. know. Like, uh a lot of people think that like with, with um, street art they think it's like a boom proposal kind of thing, right? Rush, run and all that kind of shit. No, it's all peace, man. It's all how you do it. No, and I, yeah, I remember like... that
0: when when you had me join you in uh Bellwoods, in right, exactly. Bellwood with those grey buildings. Or sorry, yeah. the green buildings. You know. I, that was the first time I'd ever wheat pasted and I didn't realize like how in depth of a process it was and like, you know, we were there for a couple of hours doing that. And yeah, people were like walking past and curious and we there was no aggressive people in, in that experience. So.
1: Not an aggressive medium at all. But it's peace. No. And, and, and it's also too, it's just it's flour and water. I mean, how much more kind of the environment can you get, right? And it's in yeah. so it's like, I've had pieces stay up for two years, but I've had also pieces where the rain or the snow just takes it down. And it's beautiful how it degrades sometimes. That's what I love about it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that is always changing. It's fluid. And that's what I would love to see in our streets more. I'd love to see more people be able to express themselves and be, have the streets be more fluid. It can be raw, it can be funny. Like, some raw shit is really funny shit. Let's get well, really
0: it, real. When we talk about that, that reminds me of what Kensington Market was like for me when I first moved to Toronto. Um, I had never planned on ever living in Toronto or had designs to do so at all. And my snap decision to move to Toronto was very rapid. And so I was in this alien place to me and I had no idea how to connect with it. So I ended up spending a lot of time in Kensington Market. And um, the thing that I found interesting going to the market like six days a week was um, how, how alive the, the market actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're paying attention to it and if you're looking at the tags and you're looking at the stickers and you're looking at the, the art that, that shows up there, it's almost like that area it, it's, it's a living entity in in its own and it's always changing it's like you know if, if you're a passerby that goes there you know like a couple times a week or you visit once a year kind of thing you'll just be like oh it's got a bunch of graffiti and like you know whatever stickers and stuff like that but if you're going there all the time and paying attention is really interesting like just how it's always evolving and how it's changing and how you know new stuff will come in or people will build stuff around other things um or, you know, people integrate other people's art into their art. And um, that, I found that more interesting than any other art gallery that I've been to. Because there was just always something fascinating to look at in the market if you looked for it. And I
1: it's just, I think we can just put it down to being spontaneous. Yeah. You can't, you can't plan spontaneous. You just can't. And I, I think our idea that we can plan everything. It's gonna get us in trouble. I think this idea that we can figure it out, it's very troubling. It's, it's very kind well, of- a...
0: Yeah, it, it is troubling. Cause like when a gallery is putting together an exhibition and things like that, like they have to take um, into consideration, you know, is this going to be healthy for the brand of that gallery. Will it be in line with what their ethos and ethics and all of that are? Um, so you do have. Will make or if it's a commercial gallery, will it
1: make money? Drop, blah blah blah.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, and like almost all of them are commercial. Like even Gallery Forty Four. Like you know, when they're considering things, it's like, is this going to get people to come here and right. yeah, promote it and be there kind of thing and. Um, that was, I think, one of the most disappointing things I, I learned being a member there was like how they don't really care about the members as much as they probably should.
1: Well, I mean, I, can we just be like brutal honest here? Generators yeah. don't have very good opinions of artists. You know that, right?
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: No, it's not fair. It's. It can get serious. Can you still see me? My legs yes. out. Okay. So, anyways, like, like, artists have a stereotypical image that is being put by by a lot of people. Okay. Um, curators will either think that this artist is brilliant, or or they'll just labor, whatever. It's not. It's not about. Um, what's a good word about it? They're not trying to find anything right now. They're just trying to show off. There is not that hunger to find the next new thing or anything like that. Or to have a statement. It's just to show off. I'm not seeing that kind of that kind of gut instinct of trying to change shit. Trying to make I, I don't see any art kind of thing trying to do any movement towards it. Don't, it's all just virtual. Recording. It's like pretending. Yeah, there's
0: it. a lot of that, sure.
1: Yeah, but like what I'm saying um, is that I'm not seeing like a movement like you're saying about it's not about members. Do you know how easy it would be to build that gallery where only members exhibit and they could have some really professional good exhibits? Do you know how easy that would be? Do you know how many people from around Toronto how many photographers are in trouble that would join G44? Well, they said, hey, it's only for the members. That's it. Let's go. And could you imagine if yep. the member said, hey, come on, it's our gallery, we're going to do it. Right now, being a member, what does that mean? It means nothing. You have no say, nothing. It's like how, how democracy is now. You've got this party and this party. It's all bullshit.
0: Yeah, like that's the thing I always found kind of a shame there was like it's such a beautiful large gallery space like and there's so many talented members in in um, gallery 44 that you know it would be easy for them to do um, promotion of, of those people and have shows for the members and stuff like that and you know, a lot of them are, are creating so much content that like there's there, you know, um, like lack of uh, material. Well, like, if you were
1: on the ball, you could really figure it out. You could actually just, I don't even know why they don't even do this, but just kind of like oh, we can't do it because of our, I don't know. Have an exhibition every two weeks. You could have an exhibition every two weeks at G44. No problem.
0: Well, so that, that gallery that I bought that piece at that I showed you, the, the Slice of, of Life uh, Vancouver, um, they do that cycle. Like they're, they have a different artist in all the time. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. a similar kind of thing to Gallery 44, but like a little bit more punk rock because they're just getting started and uh, they haven't become like insanely bureaucratic yet. And
1: um... I I think professionalism is kind of on its way out right now. We're starting to see it. People are getting sick and tired of the professional world. It's gone, it's gone so far that if you look at any kind of uh, people who like, Redo their house, kitchens. You won't even see any fruit or vegetables. It's all hidden away. All food is hidden away. We've gotten too perfect, too clean right now that we're going to have a real backlash against COVID and these white gallery kind of perfect lines. That's going out, babe. We're doing a real rehaul. This corporate look, it's looking too administrative and management and too linear. We are going to get bored of that real soon. You'll see.
0: You know, it's it's color
1: predictions. That's my aesthetic prediction. We are going to get so sick and tired of the professional corporate look. We are going to get so bored.
0: Yeah, there's that, but also like there's like the the, we haven't hit the worst part of COVID yet. Okay. Uh, the, there's going to be like economic ramifications coming out of it that we won't see for some time. Um, and I, I think like the kinds of things that you're, you're promoting right now, like through like, you know, the creating with wheat paste and, and, um, finding ways to build your own voice and, and push your own voice out there, I I think will become even more important when the systems actually start to fail in a very catastrophic way. Um, And I I think like if, if creatives out there haven't found ways to like, you know, print out their wheat pastes or have tools to do their own, like create their own work outside of like having like a a, um, a photo lab or something like you know make like, like figure different. out how to
1: how to make your own developer and fixer kind of shit. Yeah,
0: like i, I think... to, you're gonna have to make
1: cyanotypes, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, like I think it's it it might be important for a lot of creatives to start thinking right now about how how can they be a little bit more independent. With making tangible pieces that they can share, because um, there may be some difficulty coming up in the not so distant future to have like, to rely on other people to make those tangible things for you. Um, like we're already seeing supply issues with like electronics and um, you know other things like that right now, and um, it's only a matter of time before like those supply issues start to steep into everything else. Um, so it's like, you know, if you want to get into wheat pacing, now's a good time to probably try and find a laser printer and stack up some toner and paper so that, you know, you've got some stuff to make your, your messages. Look up yeah. the bicycle and
1: start biking for that electricity. <laughs>
0: yeah. a yeah, <laughs> bike generator, bike generator, yeah. and batteries, solar power, power, like. um But you know, you look back in in history, and art is really important to help people in in really terrible times. And you know, yeah.
1: I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Sophia dystopia land. I want to fucking use it before it's, we get there. Yeah. we got to use it's, art now to get the fucking shit together. And one of the well, things we have to do yeah. is, is piss on capitalism, piss on the administrators <laughs> and managers, and, and the human resources who work for the capitalists. It's not that hard. It really is not that hard. It's all about bullshit jobs, and let's get rid of all these bullshit jobs. And democracy, well, that's a sham. Yeah, we do that. We all know that. We just got to do oh. kind of like, uh, we, no, seriously, we just have to do say something like, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, lottery democracy, where it's like, yeah, we it's a lottery. We don't want people campaigning and all that shit. Let's stop all these political parties. Let's get it more local, more people doing it. I'm serious. We're gonna have to really kind of. Like, that's what my art's all about, is trying to break down the class system. When you're talking about galleries and everything else, I'm gonna be serious here with you. I think they're shit. I think, I think what they're showing is shit. I think they're bullshit. And they kind of know it. And the more that you start doing shit like plats and everything else and just go, you're shit, by the way, administrator, manager. Go do your plans and do your pretending, because that's all you're doing. Okay, it's like, we need people to say, you know what, you're fucking shit. I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna do it. I don't need your bullshit. That's why I do it, that's what I think. In my head, that's what I'm thinking. When I think about curators, when I think about Canada Heart Council, I think they're useless. I'm sorry to say it, but I think they're useless, useless. You talk to any professors that work at any universities, you talk to them about administrators and managers, or any doctors or any nurses, They'll tell you that bureaucracy, the administration, they're useless. They will tell you that straight out. And it's, it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not like some of these things. Like, this is a, a left and right argument. This is serious shit. It's seeped into art and everything else. And if you really want to get angry about how shit is going down, that's the shit. And the corporations are all making this happen because they want more administration. They want it so it's impossible to do shit. They want more administration. Fuck it. Get rid of it. Anyone who calls themselves a the curator, you have to step back and say, you know what? You're small. You're a classist. And by the way, your shit stinks. So shut up. Let's see more people. When I hear curator, it scares me. I think, you're a fucking small. It's about time you've been put into place. I think we got to stop this stuff now. That's what I think. So no, I don't, I don't want to go to sculpture. I want to be an artist, and I think artists have got to fight these fucks. That's what I think. Sorry, but I, I think that's what art should be—not like isn't my picture pretty? Fuck that. Sorry.
0: No, I, I agree with that like it it needs to there needs to be more teeth behind the message, and I think more supporting, um, more supporting each other and and the people around us, like. That was one of the things I really like about um Northern Film Collective. The um the the group that I'm I'm part of that, that Becca started a few years ago. And um it's it's been an interesting experience to be part of a group that is trying to promote like Canadian artists Um, because there's not really a lot of that out there like you know when you look at Instagram and like all the aggregating accounts and stuff like that most of those things are promoting like Americans and and things like that so you know that was kind of a fun thing but then like you know we decided to make a a book of all these Canadian artists because like galleries aren't going to show these people and you know it's some of these people's work is is great and and really should be out there and seen so you know we were just like fuck it no one else is gonna make it let's make it and so it's like you know Becca put together a, a beautiful book last year that has like over 60 different Canadian photographers from all over that um happened because people believed in in each other and wanted to support each other like you know we built that book because of the the pre-orders that came in for it and um it would have never happened if no one wanted to support it and you know, i was like we're getting ready to look at making volume two this year um to hopefully bring more artists into it because you know there there's a good possibility that a lot of people had submitted photos into that that might be the only place where their photos get published or, or seen or things like that, because they may not be like, um, internet interesting enough um, to end up in like galleries and things like that. So um, I think more of that would be cool. And it's, it's neat to see all the different um, people out there like making zines and, and making, um, you know, art and um, interesting things more accessible to people as well too. Uh, I think that's a real important thing is like having accessibility of um, the, these tangible things that, that people can um, admire and appreciate and in some ways consume.
1: Yeah, and let's let's get away from this idea that the artist is a, a genius or fantastic or whatever. Let's just get away from that. Let's just do it, please. I mean, there's so great art and everything else. And it's like, you know, it's like as, as I was doing page plans, it was a few artists that I would turn around to and go holy shit that's fucking good alright I didn't turn around and say holy shit that's fucking good I never went that this artist is better than this artist or this artist is better than this artist there was it was more like all together it really worked okay and it's like what I'm trying to say to you is that is that if we're always just trying to make this kind of perfect kind of I'm um, seeing or, or, or view or something like that. It just becomes artificial. And that's what I'm afraid of, is that we're going for this artificial kind of look and mentality of this kind of perfection kind of thing. And that is yeah. with our relationships, that's with our art, that is how we design everything. And you are seeing a backlash about it, but, Will we be able to solve it because there's a lot of money in managing and administrating what the public gets to see and what the public does not get what to see.
0: Um, so there was a comment in NFTs, I'll get into that in a sec, but um, Waster Silver made a comment here saying, I think you guys are giving too much credit to consumers of art in the grand scheme, most are looking for pretty pictures, not to be moved by art. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Well,
1: you see, like, sure, you can you can say that, right? But that's how if that's if that's how the society that you think can only be. It's like, do you want critiques in life? I mean, most most critics that I know, they want to change things for the better. I've been to some places. I've been to some villages. I've been to some countries. I've been to some areas where it's like, yeah. Art has changed shit. You you try to say that Bauhaus when it first started out, it was all about like, you know, for the common person to mm-hmm. have great design in their kitchens and everything else. It wasn't um, foo-foo fashion shit. You talk about um, Gang of Four, of China. I think they took their culture fucking seriously, man. That affected a lot of lives, okay? And they were trying to change things through culture. Misguided, and totally weird, but no. Pretty pictures, art—not a chance. You, you try to tell me that the swastika is a pretty picture, and I mean, someone took their time drawing that out—that symbol. Not—that's hate art can, can do shit. You think that art's just pretty pictures and have no power? Most people, not nah, totally disagree.
0: Well, and like you know, the, the swastika is an interesting um, you know symbol to bring up because you know that's a great example of someone appropriating a, a or, symbol yeah, for their yeah. own use and, and, um, you know, sullying something for its lifetime, basically. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have no idea that, you know, the, the swastika originally was a, a symbol for, yeah. you know, good, yeah, yeah. And, good, and, you know, most you people today, you'll see, you'll, you'll see it everywhere. Yeah. but, but it's, uh, Yeah. But it's, and, it's, and, and, you know, most people just associate it with with Nazism. But, um, you know, there, there was a guy in Cranbrook where I grew up, his name was Man Woman. And um, Manny was a very interesting character. He drove, he loved yellow, would wear yellow all the time, drove a yellow convertible Cadillac. And he was tattooed head to toe in the proper swastika. and was? wrote in in like the the proper swastika not the reversed one that the nazis used but like the um oh, the right. one that's like okay. you know right. Like,
1: yeah, okay yeah and, yeah
0: yeah yeah and like you know he was he was a believer in in, in a you know advocate and a defender of the swastika and he was also a very interesting artist as well too and um you know that he was one of the more interesting people that that I had the the privilege to, to meet and um, it was just kind of cool to see like that, you know, here's an artist that's trying to, to support um, something that they feel very strongly about. So yeah, like art, art is very important in that regard for you know, Okay, I'll, I'll them give them you with. another example,
1: okay? Look at how many people get tattoos. Do you think they look at that image as being just a nice pretty tattoo? It has meaning to them, mostly.
0: And so the waste of Silver is clarified. I didn't say that, I said people are interested in the pretty pics over the art nowadays. I would agree with that uh, fully because I, I feel like mass consumption is just sort of like, the the mass market is interested in the pretty things that give you that sort of dopamine hit when you look at them and don't make you feel anything other than like good things um and like going back to where we started you know with, with the submission that i sent you for page plots like you know i think why that didn't do well in the gallery was it, it wasn't one of those pretty pictures that gave you warm fuzzies it it was an image no no, was, no 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 we've
1: done covid we're starting to get really real shit's changing
0: well this was a couple of years before covid when i put no that no i'm talking up. about
1: now i'm talking about now when yeah. you turn around and you say that it's all pretty pictures I'm trying to tell you is that people are hungry. They want really real. We've done the COVID thing now. And like, you know, the bullshit meter and everything else is starting to turn off. Merlin, like what I'm saying, what I'm talking about, two years ago, pre-COVID, people would go, you're a fucking idiot. Now, some people would agree. I'm telling you, COVID has changed people. It's changed the dial. People are going more real.
0: Yeah, COVID has changed a lot of things and there's a lot of people questioning how the systems work and what's important things like that you know myself included um but before we sway too far what are your thoughts on nfts um in relation to artists and promoting their art selling their art things like that like what do you make? the the non-fungible tokens yeah, so,
1: I know like, that. But like, what? How do you want me to answer? Like, I don't understand the question.
0: Like, what? What are your, what are your thoughts on on artists using that to like sell their work and things like that?
1: Oh, I would say it's just not my cup of tea. Like, I, I'll I'll yeah. never put down an, an artist for doing shit. I'll I'll put down administrators, managers, curators. I'll I'll I'll, I'll bite their head off. Couldn't care less. But I'm not going to shit on artists for doing whatever they want.
0: Yeah, like it's. I kind of find it an interesting thing because the whole point of the NFT is so that someone can claim ownership hmm. over something. I mean, if you want to talk uh,
1: more about the Bitcoin thing, I'm more interested about that because it's it's the same kind of shit, right? Yeah,
0: it's it? the same technology you're using. It's basically
1: it's basically money laundering, right? It's a process where you can use it for money laundering, basically.
0: Well, so it's, it's not the same in that. So it's the same back, like background technology to like, you know, manage the NFT and whatnot, but um, the the NFT is that when you attach it to a piece of work, that token is what makes that piece valuable because that one token can only associate No, I I understand all that and everything else. I understand
1: that. but. Do you think it's taking art anywhere, or is it just
0: taking capitalism further? I think it's just more for capitalism than it is for art, honestly. Because, like, especially like because we're talking about street art and things like that. Like, you know, um, I'm not going going to take any of the photos that I've put on Instagram or, or things like that and try and sell them with an NFT because, you know, I I put them in a public place. Um, there's I I don't want people to claim ownership over um the the photos I've taken because I don't really even claim ownership on them because most of the photos that I take are other people's words or like you know things I see as I'm walking around so I I can't. totally
1: agree with you on that point I, I really love that point what you just said there I love that I love it that like you know that you can take an image of say somebody else's like words and just say yeah I recorded it or I documented, yeah, it might be a beautiful picture and everything else, but I'd rather that it would be their work than my work. Do you know what I mean? And I think, and and I appreciate your work more because of that.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I, like, you know, it's, why I take photos of things that I take photos of is, um, because I like things that make me feel something. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, I take photos of things that make me feel something, mostly out of the fear that I'm going to forget because my memory is already slipping excessively since the car accident last year. So I'm even more fearful of that thing than than I was before, when, which started my whole, like, you know, photographic adventures. Um, so it's <laughs> I, I like taking photos of these things because when I look at a photograph, it, it jogs my memory again. Like when when I pick up a print or when I, I'm scrolling through photos that I've shot on my computer, when I stop on one, I can recall a lot of what happened in that, that moment that I took that shot. So that's why I like taking those photos. But then the, the other reason around it too kind of ties in with the mental health stuff is that, you know, I know at some point, um, I'm going to lose against myself. And, you know, probably before natural causes happen, I won't be here. And I've been very lucky to experience a lot of really cool adventures with people, like, you know, you included. And those have been really meaningful and important to me. And I get sad about the idea that like, you know, when I die, all that stuff kind of evaporates so that's a big driver behind a lot of my photos is not only documenting like what i see around me but sort of documenting my life so that there might be something left behind that someone could sift through and find some something interesting and meaningful to them and you know all of this was just not bullshit for nothing Mm
1: and okay um You're talking about, say, something that, I, I, okay, it, it's something how, how I'll look at, say, something different, okay? All right, I, 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 I really enjoy the entire world. I'm not much into longevity as much, I don't think. I don't collect so, anything. I don't collect things. Um, I'm pretty
0: minimalist. I'm very minimalist. I, I've never noticed that about you at all. <laughs> 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 so let, let me, let me re-preface that a little bit. So it's not so much for, for strangers per se to like, you know, find, but it's like, you know, my, my family and friends and, and people that, those photos and things would have a meaning to that's really more what it's for is 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 for those people so that there's something something left behind um, oh man you're so sally man
1: 1975
0: They're so sally man i'm yeah i'm a little bit of an emo kid i, I don't can't hear you deny that. <laughs> Um, no, Sally
1: Mann is no, a fantastic fair. photographer, and, and she took family portraits and everything else, and very kind of personal, personal things. Um, you know?
0: Well, that's it. A lot of my photography is a lot of personal You stuff, are very personal.
1: There. You are very raw. You are very raw, okay? You yeah. are. And that's a good word for it. You know what? When I see you work and everything else there I see I see, I see that, but I, I don't appreciate it for those reasons, Melan. Not me. I get something else out of it. I don't get that out of it. You know what? Sorry, I don't get that out of it. No. When I see you work and everything else, I'll see some movie shit or I'll see some kind of like mystery or some story or something like that. But no, I'm not getting that kind of like I see raw shit. I see personal shit. I see shit where you're being really real. But I don't know if I can build, say, a persona of who you are behind that. I can build more of your creative thinking for sure.
0: Well, but that's the stuff I share publicly. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I won't share publicly that encapsulates that segment of it. So, like, there's... There's a, like, because I shoot prolifically. It's... Okay, okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. It's, well, a, it's embarrassing. Yeah, is, this a, is this a secret you're sharing with everyone?
0: Yeah. Okay, I, cool. I've only been shooting films since 2017, but, like, you know, I've got tens of thousands of photos that I've created since then, because... Um, I was just treating my film camera almost like it was a digital camera and just like, you know, blasting all these photos. So like, you know, I also share prolifically on my Instagram, like, you know, I've got, what is it at now? Let's see. There's 6,574 posts that I have on my Instagram feed because I refuse oh, to cure 6,500. Man.
1: How 6, many games
0: are there in a
1: year? I mean, in, in a decade.
0: Well, so I've had this Instagram account since 2011.
1: 3,650?
0: You've 600. got two decades.
1: If you, if you post once a day, you have two decades' worth of, of pictures.
0: What is it? Let's see. It's 365 days a year, right?
1: Yeah. Times 10. 3,650.
0: Divide by 3... It it's eighteen years of photos. Yeah. And that's what I've posted. <laughs> like there's there's like I have Home Depot boxes of negatives because I just there's so many of them. And you know Yeah. And and there's like there's also stuff that I've shot I've looked at it once and it was like too much for me to look at. And it went into a box. And I'm like, maybe one day, like years from now, I'll feel comfortable to look at this. But you know, not today. And that's what's kind of cool about that's this meeting. That's That's actually good. And yeah, the, this, oh, and sorry, and go like, ahead.
1: I, yeah, but, yeah, but what kind of mood would you have to be to have a look in this box?
0: I don't know. I feel like because uh, some of these things in in the box are a little too raw for me to look at because they're associated with, like, you know, memories that are kind of painful right now.
2: Right, but, right, right.
0: You know, maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, if I'm still here, um, I can feel more nostalgic about those things and um, appreciate the good parts of what those photos represent and not look at those photos and just have the scabs ripped off of, you know, the- Is it a locked box? No, it's not a locked box. It's just a little gray. No, I, 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 no, that's, no, that's not what
1: I'm saying. A locked box of your images is a little empty. Like
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's literally, it's like just, it's a little, it's a box and that's where the things that they, Go no, but I'm just...
1: talking in a metaphor kind of sense.
0: Oh yeah, in a yeah, it is. It's like they go and and I lock it, and it's just like you know, maybe one day we'll open this box again, but not today.
1: And I know, but are you are you blocking some things? Are you dealing with still Is it some things that you're not dealing with, or are you dealing with them? You're just not dealing with those images.
0: No, they are things that I I am dealing with, but seeing that stuff doesn't help the dealing with it because it's yeah, almost okay. a, a reset because it's like you know looking at that stuff kind of like brings that stuff back from then itself, why do you take pictures like, of it in
1: the first place
0: because at that time it was something that was important to me and had a lot of meaning
1: okay but if it has meaning then why wouldn't you
0: well it is, still exists because it still has meaning to me I just don't Want to and can't look at it right now because I'm not in the right mindset to be able to. But oh, you know,
1: I, I'm just trying to get in your head, and I, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I'm saying I would never do that. Okay, like to me, that's <laughs> just kind of like you know, like anyways. That's that's that's.
0: But me. that's that's why. That's why like, I enjoy
1: means. I enjoy that kind of visual expression from different people that I would never even think that way myself. Okay. Like, I want to see that kind of thing. I want to experience well, that. I want to be inspired by it. I, I would never do what you do. I would never do that. I wouldn't even think about doing that. But I appreciate that other people do do that. Cause like, I'm sure I do stuff where people just scratch your head and go, okay, dude, go ahead, you be you. But I, I enjoy
0: that's... doing, sorry? Well, like, so my main driver around taking photos is I want things that elicit feelings Um, and the things that I have liked that I've made the most are really intimate things Um, that like photos that I, I want to make me feel scared like if and in, in not in like a only like horror movie kind of way, but like scared about like loss or scared about like mortality um, or that I was able to capture like such an, an emotional moment that it's just like, you know, looking at that, like overwhelms me with with feelings because I was able to really like get that that moment that um meant a lot and that spills over a little bit into the stuff that i share publicly because i'm looking for things that like elicit a feeling and are more than just like a pretty picture or you know something that like looked just neat like i i want to get things that like made me think or um kind of resonated with like a dark spot or something like that um So it's like, yeah, I I share a watered down version of what I really want to capture publicly. Okay, so
1: in other words, what you're trying to tell me is that you're you're censoring yourself to what you really want to show. Are you really showing what you really want to show?
0: I don't want to show the things that I'm not showing though, because those aren't for mass consumption. Uh, uh,
1: uh, Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, That's what I'm trying to talk to you about right now. So
0: it's, It's not really censoring. It's just like, you know, there's audiences for things. And so it's like the things that I share those are for a public audience, but there's things that I, I'll share privately with with the people that. Um, are okay. Part so of I, those moments.
1: I understand that, but like, let me try to rephrase it in a different way. Okay. If your name wasn't on it and your identity wasn't on it, right? But the same imagery, would you? express that? Would you have more preference to express that as you
0: are? I then, still wouldn't want to be out there because it's not for mass consumption. Like, that's, right. you know, e- even if it was anonymous, you know, that's not what it was made for. Like, that's...
1: No, no, I hear you. I hear, it. I hear. I'm, just, I'm just trying, like, like, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to ask you is this, is that, um, I know what you're saying, it's not made for that and everything else, but what I'm trying to say is that, are we ready for that kind of art?
0: No, I don't think, well, I think some people are, and I think that, like, that needle um, has been shifting more because of COVID, Um, like, when you, when you talk to people about, their experiences during the pandemic and, and what has been going on and the realizations that some people have come to about how everything is kind of bullshit. Um, I think there there is a subset of, of folks out there that are, are wanting more like rawness and more realness and, and something that hasn't been Curated to be palatable for the masses,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, something that, that makes us think and feel and question um, the systems that, you know, we've grew up in and have contributed into and um, have just sort of blindly tagged along with for. Yeah, it
1: doesn't help that um, that some small little town in B.C. burns to the ground with of the rocket heat waves, and it doesn't really help that we have fires all over the place, and it doesn't really help that everything that we eat is just mass-produced, manufactured.
0: Well, and, and like, the, the burning down of the town, like, you know, that is is something that could have been very well avoidable if, um, you know, the the rail company listened to indigenous people who told them, you need to fucking manicure your rail lines because your shit's all out of whack and, you know, your trains are probably going to set that stuff on fire. <clears throat> and, you know, sure enough, that's what happened, you know? And it, it doesn't take long to destroy a whole community. And, like, that, that's absolutely devastating to you know because I, I lived in in that area and like you know driven past that that place and it's just like wild to think that's gone now and um you know when we had the crazy fires i think it was 2004 like 2003 or 2004 in Kamloops. when one barrier similar thing to barrier some asshole threw a fucking cigarette in a field and torched a town to the ground and, uh, you know, put huge parts of Cam Leach at risk because he flicked a cigarette button to a field. And I drove out to barrier when, when it was safe for uh, people to go out on the highway again. Um, cause I was just, I was curious. I'd never seen a town completely eradicated by fire and, um, it was really fucked up to just like be driving along the highway and just see like chimneys and framing. And like, these were people's lives. These were people's businesses, you know, this, this was stuff that, you know, people lived the dream and did what they were supposed to for like, you know, 40, 50 years. And, you know, this, this is where they decided to retire. And, you know, this was everything they had and now they have nothing. And, Insurance doesn't give you really shit for any of that kind of stuff, especially now, like, you know, with um, the recent fire, uh, because of previous fires in B.C., insurance companies have become even more stingy with what they fucking give out with shit. So it's just like a lot of those people are kind of up shit's creek, which is super fucked. And so it's like you look at what's happened with the pandemic where we've exposed how terrible the job we do taking care of each other. And then exacerbate that by, you know, natural disasters where people, you know, have now lost their homes in the midst of a global pandemic, and have to try and, and start over. And it's like, you know, we we need we need to find mechanisms where we can take care of each other better. And, you know, I think a, a lot of us may be in in positions where we can we can maybe help with 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 healing and promoting Healing and repairing. Repairing.
1: There's yeah. a lot of
0: repairing. And yeah. It, a lot of repairing. 'Cause like I, I bet, you know, people that are lucky enough to be able to cruise by the, the pace plots, you know, some of that stuff's probably gonna just like hit them right in the fields, and it's it's gonna like really resonate with with them in a deep way because you know especially in Toronto with with how much time everyone had to spend in lockdown there and and be like truly isolated um there's a lot of people out there that have never had to deal with depression and never had to deal with true anxiety and you know never really understand what despair looked like that now had to face all those things people that never had to face themselves you know they the, the time for distractions was lost for a long period there. but so when we were in the stay-at-home order and like you know I, I talked to lots of people who'd never had to spend that much time alone and it was it was unsettling for a lot of people to actually be by themselves and have to like you know have conversations with themselves and, and face things that you know they would just avoid by keeping themselves busy in, in the old world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And now that people have had time to mull and process through that, I, I think it's created this um, time of questioning where a lot of people are questioning, like, you know, does a career matter now? Like, you know, is, is retirement actually going to be a thing that I should work towards because I'll be able to take advantage of it like you know all of this like what we're promised is if we defer our joys for a later date we will have them so we need to do all of these things to ensure that we'll be able to live life later
1: I mean like yeah you could say that that? but I think it's getting more kind of like Mad Max and and like you know
0: no no like yeah. now now it's more Mad Max, but like what we were sold on pre pandemic was yeah, yeah, yeah. work hard and then when you hit retirement you can go like, you know, do things. And why why do people have to wait until retirement for that? Like people should be able to just like live now and um, do the work they need to do to like ensure that they can like eat and eat yeah, but butter, and like butter, butter. I, I,
1: I think there's the like really gone totally kind of like batshit crazy since um, Thatcher and Reagan, okay? So let's let's say like, you know, mid-80s, that's when we just went on this neoliberal kind of cascade, okay? And let's just think of it this way. Past 20 years since knocking down those towers, we have just gone so fast to now so fast to where we are right now and what's happened is just that things are getting more expensive there's less and less and there's more and more and more and less and shit is falling more and more apart all right nothing's real yeah. yeah sure we got phones that's it basically and but it's getting to a point now where the cracks are showing like the cracks are really really showing. Before we could dust off capitalism and say, come on, get back up there. You're doing okay. Now, it, it's showing. I mean, look at yeah. this area, We're so worried about chip shortages. We're so worried about, you know, even sand to make cement. We're worried about losing all the sand. we got um, so many shortages. like, how are we going to make all these batteries for this new kind of like EV it's car? Better. It's not going
0: to All that stuff does exacerbate a lot of of issues, but I I think, like, on the same token, to be able to communicate with each other and and to share positive uh, messages and to, you know, prop each other up, I don't think there's been a better time for that because you look at these devices that we're talking on right now and, and people are listening to us on right now, like, you know, you don't need a fancy camera to be able to go and make a wheat paste. You could take a photo with your iPhone and print it out on a laser printer, and then go. Yeah, but look at how many people. Use...
1: Look at how many people are actually doing it. Not that many of us. Like what? what I'm saying is that. Well, but that's the
0: thing. Like there, there might, people might not know how accessible it is, though.
1: Yeah, true. But All right, oh, we're getting into subjects where I might just melt off a little bit too much.
0: That's right. Don't, don't mouth off too much, but it's just like, you know, there, there, there's a degree of like a feeling of like helplessness and and anger right now with everything that's going on. Um, And that's, those are totally valid feelings and those are very important feelings that, that people should like, you know, sit with and, feel no, no shame or embarrassment or whatever for, for having those. Like, you know, these are really fucked up times. Um, but on, on the same token, like, you know, we've never been more connected as, as a society. Um, we've never had more access to different tools to create things. Um, so I think there's a, a good opportunity for people to be able to take that, that anger and that frustration and possibly channel that into creative outlets that um, maybe they've never expressed before. And, you know, maybe people have time to do those things now in, in this new world that's emerging. And there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation and, and things out there. And so I think it's, it's important now more than ever than like for people who, are fairly sane, and and want to see something better to, to go out there and, and try and connect with each other and, you know, promote something better and try and like, you know, cheer people up in their days. And I like your idea of, of localizing that because, you know, Instagram and social media tools are very global and like that reaches is, is very, it's far reaching and it's out there. Um, and that that has a purpose and that's a good tool to have. But like when you were talking earlier about the localization of weed paste, I think that's a really important thing that people should think about is like the localization of of the creative things that they share and how important that could be to help communities and fostering communities. Cause that was something like you talk about the the towers and, and all that stuff leading up to where we are now. I think a big part of why things eroded so much over that time period is like the loss of communities. Like you look at as, as much as we've been connected by the internet and electrons and things like that, we've lost those local communities of those people that we would talk to in person, that we would interact with in in person. And the pandemic has, has, I think, bred the need for new local communities again. And it's made people like build small communities because they would bring people into their bubbles. And then like when things got a bit safer, those bubbles expanded a little bit. And, you know, the need to connect with with people at, at a local physical level became so much more important to so many people. Um, and your point of like sharing that locally I think is even more important because, you know, this is a great, Um, you know, mechanism to promote and share messages and and creative things and stuff like that at at a local level and and foster, like, more of that kind of community building, because I I think that's what's really going to help pull us out of the shitstorm that's coming, is um, building communities up again. Like, that's, we we need to have communities.
1: Okay. You know, capitalism's done a really good job with destroying those communities. Yeah, absolutely. They've destroyed it. They've
0: distributed everything. And like, that's why everything's so fucked now is because the the thing that's scary about communities is when you start building communities and those communities start to share their talents and uh, the fruits of their labors and everything together, those communities become very resilient and powerful. And that's what scares a lot of, um, you know, the capitalism, the, like... the powers. Yeah. That and, and, that, and that's why there was like, you know, decades, if not centuries of like, you know, destruction of communities, because if you start disbanding people, they become less powerful. Now, in that same breath of saying the importance of communities, there's communities can be good and bad you know i i'm very happy and lucky hey,
1: hey, hey, community is not very nice community The next door
0: yeah you know, yeah like that that's a thing look at people who believe in the ppc party they're fostering a community and you know they're rallying and banding together and you know unfortunately that's like a not great community for the broader scope of but people hang on, they're, on, they're, on, they're,
1: on. What happens if we had lots of thousands of micro communities and the PPC or whatever they're called could have their own community okay but they respected yeah. other communities and just stay to themselves Don't you think that would be better
0: yeah like that that would be fine and that kind of reminds me of like the the microcosms of what like high school was like you know yeah, there was all of yeah. the different parts there was- the hicks and the jocks and the skids and the punk kids and all that everyone had their little ecosystems and for the most part they all worked fairly well um you know separated and every once in a while there'd be flare-ups between the, the different groups but you know we all lived in one building and didn't murder each other mostly because you're not supposed to do that in a modern society but like you know yeah. there, there was some kind of harmony so that would be cool if we could like Get more to that state, but the societal construct that we live in right now doesn't support that kind of living, but Maybe we can start making incremental changes by changing how we consume and how we interact with um, the, the world around us that could force changes in like government policy and adoptions of like, you know, different things that could start leading to um, You know better things well and there's that's not human nature the thing that's interesting with human nature though is when you dig down into like you know what is human nature we're actually extremely social creatures and uh-huh. we do thrive in communities yeah, what we, hey, hey,
1: hey, we say social creatures we are social creatures in our own ways okay not everybody falls the same kind of dynamics to be social
0: well, and so, you know, that's where I was going to caveat. It's like, we are social creatures and, and we do thrive in communities, but, you know, when you look through the path, there's always been a hierarchy in all those, those communities. And um, so it's, it's not like a big kumbaya fest. Like there's still, still yeah, a hierarchy. Yeah,
1: the hierarchies that were different and uh, the hierarchies that we have today are the status yeah. quo. They always, they're not, they're, they're non-changing. They're, they're just one kind of thing. I mean... Indigenous people had so many different kind of communities within their community. They changed their communities during the different seasons. Certain people would have yeah, it's hours.
0: true. Well, and and there's a like you know comment here, and we stick with who and what we like, but that's kind of a dangerous thing because who and what we like is is a conditioned thing in a lot of cases. So, um, I am. Um, I'm Filipino, French, Canadian, so not technically white. I'm like, you know, at best 50% white. Um, but I grew up in white communities. Um, the, the town I grew up in as a kid, like, you know, for the longest time, you know, my family were the only colored people there other than the people that ran the Chinese food restaurant. Um, but because of that conditioning, because I grew up in a white community, I never saw myself as not white until other people reminded me that I'm not. I was conditioned that way. And then also like, you know, it it conditioned me to for the longest time, you know, I was only attracted to white people because that's all I really saw and was exposed to. Um, So it's like, you know, sticking with who and what you like, that depends a lot on on the conditioning there. And um, I think that's like a very important, thing that i learned and a lot of people i've talked to have learned when they've traveled and experienced other places is that who and what they like begins to shift and change a little bit once they start becoming exposed to things that are outside of that original norm that they were used to yeah. and you know i i think that's a really important thing and, and i wish that would have been part of something is like you know when you graduate high school, part of your graduation would be like, you know, here's like five grand, go travel somewhere for like, you know, three months or something like, you know, go anywhere but the country you were born in and just go see something. Um, Cause it was like, as, as I grew up and started meeting more people and talking to more people, it, it alarmed me um, how many people I met who had never left the country, let alone their province and um you know it was just really interesting like i think it's important to expose yourself to different things so that you can have a, a better broader understanding and, and a better appreciation of all people um because I, I think that could be like a root problem with you know some of these more ignorant folks who we share um land with is that you know some of them have never um, have never experienced like you know things outside of what they're used to, like you know i I knew someone who was terrified of gay people to the point that the first time they got a hug from someone who was gay, the look of terror on their face. I wish I could have taken a photo of it because they looked like they were going to die. Like they were either going to catch AIDS or catch gay or like you know, burst into flames because a gay person touched them. But then this like look of like it went from total fear and being terrified to like really? this is kind of confusing because this is just like a hug to this is a hug. I like hugs. And then they kind of like nuzzled in with the person. And it was just kind of interesting to watch that because it's like, you know, previous to that point, They'd been like, you know, just viciously against uh, gay people, um, but then it was just like, shit. They're just people like the rest of us. Was like the realization after this hug. Like it's what what you like, what you know, and what you like can change depending on your experiences.
1: Yes, and I, it, this is true, but this is where. You have to be very careful about trying to show people experiences. So if, if you're turning about like if you're talking about that person that's say homophobic, right? And then you just bombard them with art, or you bombard them with messages saying, Hey, don't be homophobic. There's nothing wrong with it and everything else. You are gonna get a certain amount of the population that's gonna listen to it. But yeah. you're going to get a certain amount of population that's going to go PPC on you, not see it go like you know totally the opposite direction. That is yeah. the problem with virtue hoarding. With using art for morals, you are going to get a certain amount of people, but you're going to turn off a certain amount of people, and you're not just going to turn them off; you're going to piss them off, and that's dangerous.
0: Yeah, that that is dangerous, but that's like a terrible part of human nature that i don't think we'll ever find a way to eradicate because yes you can because
1: um, there's nothing wrong with putting the message across as being real let the
0: artist get the message regardless of how real you make the message there's just some people out there that will just refuse to accept it yeah, but they're going
1: to refuse to accept it if it's corporatized, if it's administered, if it's if it's public relations, that is just total bullshit. They're going to, of course, they're going to eat that out and just go like you, know, go Trump, it. Well,
0: of course. Don't don't forget the church too, because like I mean, we can't leave the oldest corporation in the world out of this conversation.
1: Well, the church, I mean, like that's a whole different kind of discussion, and like. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know why we just don't tax the shit out of them right now. And I mean tax the shit right out of them. We should have churches existing right now because some of the crap has been going on. Like, we, should like, just,
0: we should just start a church so we don't have to pay taxes. I mean, it worked for Scientology, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like Rex Humbert, I mean, he really thought that out. He was, a, he was like a starving yeah. kind of science fiction writer, and
0: he said that... Oh, yeah, Ron Hubbard. Yeah, Ron Hubbard. And see, like, that. That's the thing that I find absolutely fascinating about people is that it's well documented out there that he started it literally just to avoid paying taxes yeah make money
1: yeah
0: and but people believe in it like it's a real thing and and that's what I find really curious about about humans is that like this truth can exist and it's just like, it's out there and it's empirical. Yeah,
1: but this truth can yeah. exist yeah. But, and we can look at it as being a conspiracy theory right now, but like 50 yeah. years from now, 20 years from now, we can look at it and say, oh my gosh, that is the truth. I mean, like you could even look at COVID right now, okay? Look at COVID. One yeah. of the things, one of the biggest things that they screwed up on with COVID at the beginning is that they thought that you could catch it off the surfaces and everything else. When it's mostly airborne, they were so, we were anti, we, we were taking groceries home and, and bleaching the shit out of them. That was the silliness. It was airborne, it was an aerosol kind of thing, right? Catch it on surfaces, that's the least of your problems.
0: That's so, true, yeah.
1: All right, and we went apeshit on that. Do you know, do you know how much that set, set us back when it comes to antibiotics? That didn't do too good for us. Yeah, we were wiping out everything.
0: Oh yeah, and I I remember friends were like, you know, um, wipe like cleaning all their groceries. Like I had a friend that he was like sanitizing every Amazon package that he'd get in because he was afraid of them. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird time, but I feel that like you know what you're what you're working on and and what you're building is really amazing. I know you don't like talking about yourself very much, but, um, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing right now because you're helping people have a voice that maybe felt they, they couldn't have a voice. And, you know, your story about those, those, uh, you know, fancy gentlemen who had the photo of, uh, one of your wheat pastes on there, like, yeah, that's, that's amazing, like, you know, the the breadth of who you can connect with. And so it's like, you know, it's I appreciate you taking some time to, to talk about that and share that with with uh, me and all of us today.
1: And I, I appreciate this talk. And there's one thing that I learned and as we were getting into it, I didn't really press you on it, but I found it kind of interesting. I think I might talk to you more about it personally. Where you are going about some of your imagery, where you just keep it personal and it's locked away, where you don't even see it, I think there might be some art there. I know, I'm not even saying nope, uh, it could be—it could, could be subconscious art there. You could be no, making a masterpiece subconsciously.
0: There's—I know that there's art there, but um, maybe one day it'll come out. Just not. Yeah, not
1: but that's even, what I'm trying to say. Is a—is a okay. Before you go, all right, this is the one thing I really wanna to mention to you. It is difficult for people, for, for photographers, to put their work out there. It is, and I'm not saying, but it is. Like for me to turn around and say somebody said, hey, I want you to put five of your pieces up on the street. it scares the shit out of a lot of people. You don't have to be scared, that's all I wanna say. Goodbye.
0: You're looking at the no, no, no. Thank, thank you for spending some time chatting, and I appreciate you, Jeremy. Um, I appreciate and you too, too Berlin. I wish, I wish I could see the the pace plots in person, but I look forward to seeing the updates of it um, as as you go check it out.
2: It's um, pl- yeah,
0: thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in and for the people that you know stuck with us through here. Um, and next do they week, want to reach the end? Yes, um, I, I've got to go make dinner now, so we've, we've reached Bye. that here. But um, next week, I'm going to have uh, Morgan Turner on. He was a photographer that I met in Cranbrook uh, recently, um, so it'd be kind of cool to chat with him. And uh, you know, thank you all for tuning in, and yeah, you know, love you guys. Thanks. Take care, Jeremy. Okay, so what do I do? Just turn it off. Uh, I'll I'll end it, and we will just go away, and then you know. We just we'll here, Okay, take care, Jeremy. Bye, everybody. <laughs> okay.